Hey everyone, you are listening to the Above the Tree Line podcast, where we take difficult questions about Christianity, faith, and culture and answer them through the lens of scripture. You can listen on your preferred podcast platform or watch online at youtube.com slash Austin Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to submit a question for us to address, you can do so at acfellowship.org slash podcast. And welcome back to our podcast. We are here with Senior Pastor Will Davis Jr. Hi, from Austin Christian Hi, Fellowship. Friends. Great to see you guys. We are diving into kind of a heavy topic today, a topic that affects more than mm. half of married couples. Um, and it's a topic that affects a lot of kids and a topic that affects people here within ACF, um, our friends and 100%. family. And that is the topic of divorce. And we realize that um, this is very painful for a lot of people. But what we really want to do is we want to dive into what God's Word says about divorce, what God's Word says about you, what God says about um, His plans for your life. And so we just mainly want everybody to know there's there's no shame or yeah. condemnation here. Thanks for saying that. There's just so much grace. Um, and I just wanted to blanket this whole conversation with that. Um so we will start with, like I said, half of marriages in the United States, more than half of marriages in the United States end in divorce. And less than half of American households are led by married couples. So there's a lot of kids not growing up um, with mom and dad home. So from your perspective, can you give us what is the Christian definition of marriage? And is marriage specifically a Christian concept? Uh, marriage is not specifically a Christian concept in just in the sense that um, it's practiced by people all over the world that approach marriage in different means. However, I do believe the Bible gives us the beautiful original origination point, if you will, of marriage. Um, the first, by the way, hello, Lauren, it's great to see you, and thank mm -hmm. all you guys for listening to this, and I agree with Lauren, this is a grace-based topic, has to be. The first teaching verse in the Bible the first verse in the Bible that's not telling a story. All of Genesis 1 is a story. Chapter 2, about half of that is the story. And the first didactic, here is a truth story, is man shall leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the first teaching truth in the whole Bible. So yes, it, it was originated within Christianity. It is certainly bigger than Christianity. And if I was going to give you a one-word definition, it would be covenant. Mm. Um, which is an agreement I make with you that has nothing to do with you. Right. It's a, here's what I'm going to do. So many years ago when I went through my premarital counseling here at ACF, uh, we talked about kind of the difference between marriage as like a union and then marriage within a Christian relationship. And I remember the pastor telling me, you're not making a promise to your husband. You're making a promise to God. Yep that you will love your husband. So that's what you're talking about that's when what you I'm say about. it's a covenant. It's a covenant with God, not with your spouse. There are implications for your spouse. But but that's that's intended to be the Christian concept. I think marriage isn't that for a lot of people, mm -hmm. especially with contracts and prenups and everything else. It's an if-then thing. But in the biblical sense, the purity of the Scriptures, Lauren, it is clearly a model of God's relationship with us where He says, here's what I'm going to do and here's what you expect me to do. That's what Jesus, I think intended it to be when he talks about the New Testament. It's clearly what Paul intended when he quotes it in Ephesians 5. 
that there's a husband's role and a wife's role, and it really doesn't depend on what the other one does. Mm. And that's that's a hard but right. beautiful definition of marriage. It's much bigger than I think any of us realize and intend to be more beautiful than any of us realize. So let's talk about marriage in the Bible. I wasn't okay. planning on bringing this up, but I've just been reading through the Old Testament, and I'm seeing all these fathers of our faith who had multiple wives. Yeah. How is that permissible? Well, there's there's a principle in Scripture. It, it's not. It's neither permissible nor recommended, okay? Right. Um, I remember being in Africa and a pastor and doing a Q&A with a bunch of pastors, and the pastor raised his hand and said, I have three wives, what would you want to say to me? And the pastor next to me that was translating said, I will pray for you. <laughs> That's, that was all he had to say was, I got nothing but good luck with three wives. Um, there's, the, there's a principle of accommodation in Scripture where the law talks about things um, that allowed for cultural circumstances temporarily. And divorce was one right. of those things, but so was polygamy. Um, polygamy was allowed because without the covering of a man, a woman in he- Israel could be in bad, bad shape. Mm-hmm. No way to, pr- if she didn't have a son or somebody, look, you know, someone looking out for her, that could be a tough situation. And so God allowed multiple marriages in some cases when the man had the means to pray for it, simply as a means to provide for the woman. Women. You get to the New Testament, and that idea is gone. The right. husband of one wife requirement for leaders um, is, is very much about um, being committed to one woman and one woman only. Not one woman at a time, even. Right. Just one woman. And that's more the New Testament picture. So um, there are allowances in Scripture for things that culture was messed up in that God was going to heal. Mm-hmm. Slavery is another one. Right. God allows for slavery in Scripture, but it wasn't his dream, wasn't his idea, and he eventually blows it up. So that's why polygamy is sometimes mentioned in Scripture. So here at ACF, we talk a lot about the Genesis Here at ACF, reality. we do not practice polygamy. We, we do get, not. Just get that out there. That's true. We just want to get that out. One is good. <laughs> but we talk about the Genesis 3 reality. So the premise of that is that Genesis 1 and 2 were perfect, God's plan. Genesis 3, man breaks God's plan and then enters um, yep. into all the sin in the world, right? So divorce is one of those realities that was introduced in Genesis 3. Yeah, divorce is actually God's idea, right? which kind of freaks people out. Uh, people get mad at me because I don't talk more about divorce in a way that they think I should, but it's not a good idea. Divorce is not good, but God allowed for divorce to cover females, and mm-hmm. Jesus talked about that. It was never God's intention, but because of the hardness of our hearts, he says. Right. Uh, he allowed for divorce. He allowed for divorce because the females in those days could not necessarily get a job and cover themselves. Right. Is a, it says here, it was also said, this is Jesus speaking, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So that's back in the Moses time yep. when you were talking about. But then he goes on to say, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, that's where I wanted to pause. That verse isn't necessarily saying if there is sexual immorality that you should get divorced, but it is saying that divorce is permissible in the instance of sexual immorality. That's how I read it. Okay. Anything else? So, <laughs> <laughs> Long pause. There's that's like, how I read it. There's a lot of um, yeah. there's a lot of couples that have recovered from sexual immorality. Uh, there's a ministry right here in Austin mm-hmm. that focuses mm-hmm. um, on healing of marriages that have been damaged by sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I know personally that I have walked through divorce with some women here at the church whose husbands may have been immoral to them um, or unloyal to them. And the woman was willing to work it out. Like, let's stay and work through this. But the husband basically had said no. So Hmm. where does that leave the woman? Like in in that instance, I mean, it it says that if you, if you divorce your wife and you make her the victim of adultery and that woman gets remarried, then she's basically guilty of adultery. Is that still true? Yeah. uh, Let's, let's, put the the big fat helmet of grace over this entire conversation, not just for the people listening, but for you and me, because this is hard Mm -hmm. and um, culture has moved so far from this. Let me just tell you what I think the Bible says and why it says it, and let's go from there. And I I do think Jesus put pretty tight restrictions, as did Paul, Mm -hmm. on when divorce is acceptable and permissible or, or allowed. And it was really narrow, and we need to humble ourselves today and know that, that it wasn't like, I'm unhappy. Right. It was when covenant was broken. The act of sex in Scripture is the act of covenant. It's why um, God wants procreation, the giving of birth of children, only to happen in a covenant setting. Mm-hmm. We have a whole nation filled with the birth of children outside of covenant, and you can see where it's gotten us. So when covenant is broken... By, by making physical covenant now with someone else, sexual union, then the scriptures say the door is open for you to leave that person and legally, rightfully divorce them if you choose to. But you're right, Lauren, a lot of people have been healed of mm-hmm. immorality and adultery, and, 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 and they have great stories, significant stories. But if you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they violate covenant, I believe the scriptures say you have permission then to end the marriage and not be judged judged in a way because it's a it's a premature or reactionary decision. I gotta say it's a pretty short list. Paul says, if you're married to an unbeliever and they want out, you can let them out. And That's actually free. where I was gonna go next. Yeah, well, we see we do this. <laughs> we know each other really well. That's about the only two clauses I found that where the scripture says you're okay. Well, wait, Paul says if the unbeliever wants out, the unbeliever can leave. You can, but let, the him, you can let him leave. should not leave. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Unless, unless there's other things going on like violation of covenant, which in, in a mixed marriage happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've um, softened a bit on this because I know marriages that there's violence Right. And there's there's danger and there's abuse and you not being happy, or you not having the car you want to drive is not abuse. Okay, right. I'm not happy is not abuse. Right. So I've not heard women use the word abuse, and that, that's a long way from abuse. Well, I feel like culture right now is so focused on self, like yeah, self help. You do yeah. you, your truth. You yeah. deserve better. You can do better. Mm-hmm. You look good. He doesn't. It's very self centered. Yes. Very pride centered. But yes. marriages. I can attest to this. Really, really hard. Um, but wait, what? <laughs> it's not. It's not an easy thing to participate in. But <laughs> going back to the the non-believer question, we actually had a person write into ACF. She was going through a divorce, but when she and her husband got married, neither of them were Christians. They were both Buddhist, <laughs> and she basically came to ACF saying, okay, I realize that God doesn't like divorce. I'm going through a divorce. 
was my marriage, was it actually a marriage if neither one of us made a covenant with God? Well, it's, it's marriage as they best understood it. And I think God meets people where they are. So if they intended to try to have the best marriage possible, I think God's going to work with them on that. I wouldn't ever say it didn't count because they, put, they stood before a judge and, or whomever and gave their vows to each other. So I'm not going to say, well, it didn't count by God's eyes. You entered into a, a relationship, and I would say as covenant as best you knew how. So I would still encourage people, even without Jesus, try to stay in the marriage. I, I think the, the, the wisdom of don't get divorced for just any reason applies whether you're a Christian or not. The, the, the Word of God's wise. Divorce is horrible. Hmm. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I mean, people who've gone through it know it. Yeah. It's terrible. It's the rending of families. In some cases, it's absolutely unavoidable. But even for unbelievers, divorce is horrible. And so I would rally and say, if you can find a way to stay in the marriage and make it work and add Christ to the formula, you never know what will happen. But um, I'm just not a fan of it unless it's absolutely necessary. And it would be absolutely necessary from your perspective in cases of sexual immorality and abuse. Yes, and abuse, abuse is a difficult term to define, right. but yes. I w and, and clearly if an unbeliever is, I'm done, and I think Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, you have permission to let him go. Right. So abuse, though, covers physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse. It's, it's when covenant is violated. Now, me coming home from work and yelling at Susie, some people might call abuse. I don't. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't do that. Yeah, Let's I was going to say, I'm yeah. surprised you get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know my wife. This is slippery because we, want it, we, we tend to want to create definitions to give us an out. Mm -hmm. And so t rather than trying to name every specific circumstance, Jesus just basically said, don't look for outs mm -hmm. in marriage. There, there are some. But if you spend your time looking for them, you're going to find them. Mm -hmm. So rather, find a way to fight for the marriage. Now, there are situations when you got to get out to protect you or protect the kids or whatever, but those need to be few and far between. Right. Um, we don't need to be looking for reasons to bail on our marriages. So all of you that are single out there, we used to say this in line in weddings, don't enter into marriage unadvisedly. Like, are you ready to make a lifetime commitment? Are you ready to do richer or poorer? Are you ready to do unhappy? If your mighty man or your sexy woman has a wreck and is paralyzed and can never be sexual with you again, are you going to be okay with that? If it turns out to not be able to hold down a job and be unemployed and maybe in 12-step program but is trying to serve you as best he or she can, are you going to be willing to stay in that marriage? Mm -hmm. That's marriage. These 60-year marriages we see today that have come through post-depression days and gone through all this stuff. Romance is that. That's what romance mm -hmm. is. Romance is not you look good today, but tomorrow you're not. Romance is riding it out when it's hard. Yeah. And I think we've lost that. Yeah. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does for us. You know, marriage is a picture of Christ's love for us. Well, he loves us when we're unlovable. That's romance. So I think one of the things that a lot of Christians struggle with is, let's say your husband leaves or your wife leaves and you want to get remarried, but it seems like the Bible is saying in that case, then you're an adulterer. Yeah. Again, and again, it, obviously it depends on the circumstances. So I have friends who have been through divorces that they didn't want and their spouses were Christians and they, 
and they don't feel permission yet to pursue. They broke, the spouse broke covenant and remarried somebody else, and that ship has sailed. In some cases, the spouses feel permission to remarry, and in some cases, they don't. Um, but I think if you're just divorcing someone because you're not happy, then you need to be ready to be single the rest of your life. So if God I'm, does give permission to get remarried? Uh, if, there's an, if there's been infidelity or covenant breaking. Okay. So the point is, you're not hopping from marriage to marriage to marriage as a Christian. So if you, if you, if you end your marriage for less than biblical reasons, okay, you're, now you're single, be single. Mm -hmm. Go into missions. Go serve somebody. But that, you, you've got a husband already. This is really harsh, I know. But just be, if you ended the marriage because of less than biblical reasons, in God's eyes, you're still married. That's why it's called adultery if you remarry. Mm -hmm. And I know that's hard. But it's only hard, Lauren, because our culture has slipped so far. Right. That's why it's hard. So again, we're back to marriage is a really big deal. Right. I'm going to teach on marriage, I think, to our kids in April or May, and that's the sermon title. Marriage is a really big deal. Big deal. It's a big yeah. deal. And so we just can't be flipping about jumping from marriage to marriage to marriage because covenant isn't that way. Mm -hmm. And God wants it to be representative of His love for us. But if you do break covenant... Which, if we're looking at our relationship with Christ, we break covenant with Him All every the time. day, and He has unconditional forgiveness. So if you are the one who has broken covenant, that is a forgivable sin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is, um, of course God forgives it. The harder part is having man forgive, man-to-man -man forgiveness, because we know God forgives us, but getting that unconditional forgiveness from man is um, requires supernatural <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Interference, yes. And it takes to if you've been unfaithful in your marriage, you know it takes. My, my friend Rick Reynolds says it takes about two years of chaos mm -hmm. just to get where you can start thinking about reconciling. But there's if you if you violated your marriage vows, it's about two years of every day is going to be different emotions, and then maybe at the end of two years you start healing comes. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like basically shooting someone; they have to have permission to bleed, and infidelity is that. It's, it's made so flippant and so light in the media. There's TV shows that celebrate right. sleeping with whomever and whatever. Well, that's infidelity. Oh, by the way, if you're single, it applies to you too because you're married to God. Mm -hmm. Your body belongs to Jesus, and so you don't get to sleep around if you're single because it's still a reserved act for marriage. Um, and to, to lessen that sends messages in culture and to our kids that it's not a big deal. And the problem is it just kills your soul. Mm-hmm. It just rips yeah. out your soul. Now, I need to say something very controversial. Okay, let's do it. This is the, well, don't get that excited about <laughs> controversial. Lauren loves this stuff. Here's the part the controversial. God can and does bless second, third, and fourth marriages. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Solomon was the son who came out of David and Bathsheba's relationship. Mm -hmm. And that one started off about as badly yeah. as a marriage can start. Absolutely. An affair, murder, conspiracy to commit murder, cover it up, all that stuff. And then God, so they lose the first child. The second child, his name is Solomon, mm -hmm. the wisest man in scriptures. So yes, this is hard and it's ugly. And the controversial part is, I'm going to tell you, there's still grace. If you got if you got divorced for less than biblical reasons, and got remarried, and you ask God to honor and bless that marriage, if you repent of whatever you need to repent of, and say, God, we didn't hit in this the right way, but here we are. I've seen God just rain favor on those marriages. Now that's not permission to go do what you want to do. Right. 
But, but he grace. can take anything that the enemy intended for That's, evil. Come on, Lauren. God go. can turn it for good. That's right, sis. So he doesn't want you to go out and make choices that are displeasing, no. but he can use them and he can bring good out of them because that's the kind I've of God seen it. he is. Yeah, absolutely. I had a couple in my, the first church I pastored that had, had an affair and blown up two marriages, gotten together, woken up in their marriage going, oh my gosh, we did this completely wrong. And they fell before God and begged for forgiveness and God gave them this ministry. They were the sweetest, most humble couple, serving people, and they knew we did this wrong. We've we've sought forgiveness from the Lord. We've had to repent to our ex-spouses, but we're married, and we're going to make it good. Right. And I, it was one of the greatest marriages I've seen. What advice do you have for for people who are have either gone through divorce, Christians who have gone through divorce, or are potentially approaching divorce? Well, if you if you've been through divorce, you're not you're not damaged goods. Mm. You're you're still delightful to the Lord. Let God heal your wounds. Don't rush to get remarried. Be okay. You could really can be very happy in culture and be single. Um, let God meet you where you are and pray for direction on what to do next. But don't own the damaged goods things because you're part of a marriage that didn't make it. God can meet you in that and make it good again. If you're in a marriage, fight for the marriage. Do everything you can because all you're ju- doing is jumping from one set of problems into another. Yeah. And um, people that are divorced and remarried tell you that you still have to deal with your ex and that it makes it difficult kids and, and the step relationship. God can bless those. But if you're in a marriage and, and you can fight for it, you never, you never know. Prayer does mm-hmm. great things, Lauren. You know that. So pray for the courage to stay in the marriage. And you, I've been listening to a book on miracles by Eric McTaxis, and he, one of the, some of the stories he tells in there are marriage healings, that mm-hmm. there's no way, no way, and yet they get healed. Yeah. So. And when it comes to prayer, I would just add, for the longest time, I was probably praying that God would change my spouse, but then the prayer that was most effective was, God, help me to love my spouse like yeah. you do. Yeah. You loved him enough to die for him. Help me to love yeah. him that way unconditionally. And so it was more like, okay, you don't have to change him, change me. That's the prayer. Whew. The spouse oh. isn't the problem. No. The spouse is not the problem. Pray for you. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to point out, though. Like, flesh is not the enemy. Hmm. You're a, a politician is not the enemy. Your neighbor's not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. We all have the same enemy. Yeah. And he will try to take your marriage. So I know Lauren's going to say this. We, we've opened up a can of worms here. So feel free to send more questions, and we'll talk more about this. Yeah. Absolutely. If you guys do have questions, you can go to acfellowship.org slash podcast and interact with us there. If there's more things that you want us to unpack or more specifics, we realize this is a big topic. It's a heavy topic. We mainly want to address the things that you guys are interested in hearing about. So go to our website and please continue to do that. Thank you for diving Thanks, into Lauren. this Thank controversial you guys. subject. Yes, ma'am. All right. We will see you guys next time.